0: God bless you for listening to this message. For more information on upcoming programs and events, visit our Facebook page, Kodesh Family Church, Ghana HQ. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every day. And remember, God's word is a lamp onto your feet and a light onto your path. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to be on our feet and receive the ministration Of Doctor David Samaroo. As we gather in this space today, Holy Spirit, come and have Your way, have Your way. As we lay aside our own desires, sweep across our house with holy fire. Have Your way. This is Your house. This is Your house. Your home, we welcome you, Lord, we welcome you. This is your house, Your home, we welcome you today. This is your house, this is your house. Come on. Your home, we welcome, welcome you, Lord, we welcome you. This is your house, Your home, we welcome, welcome you today.
1: Well, welcome to your house. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, first of all, pastors, can I can I encourage you with the words that Dr. Cho encouraged me with many years ago? I'd been in Manila about 15 years or so and he asked me to join Church Growth International board. And he looked at me one day and he said, Now, David, you understand, you will never become very effective until you've been there at least 25 years. Yeah, that's what I said. I thought, I'm working very hard. I got 10 more years before I can begin to be effective? But I will tell you, after 25 years, things really began to boom. Again, it is my privilege and honor to get to be with you today. Lady Adelaide, we salute you. We honor you. Give her a hand, everybody. (laughs) One of the things, one of the first times we heard of Kadesh is... She said, this is my church. This is where I go to church. Kadesh is my church. She said, he goes to first love. Kadesh is my church. (laughs) I think she loves you. with all the branches and all the campuses that we open. Do you know what my wife says? Main campus is her campus. She said this, this is my church. This is where I go to church. <laughs> Alright, you may be seated. Now asked Bishop what he wanted me to do in the service. Did he want me to do part two of what I started on the other night? Or did he want me to do the other night again? He wants me to do the other night again. So, it will come out different. It will come out longer. Can't help yourself. Truth grows. But we want to get this into the entire congregation. But I promise you, I'll leave all 78 pages of notes with Bishop Josh. And you guys can work on it after I go. Look at, hmm? You want new? Okay, we can do do. Very easy. I just come to be a servant in 1980 when I was went to be in the Philippines my wife and I were very skinny I had lots of hair I was very handsome many things have changed since then but when we went there We walked in in the middle of martial law. We lived under martial law. We went through three revolutions. I think 20 plus coup d'etats or attempted coup d'etats. We lived through capital flight. We lived through economic crisis after economic crisis after economic crisis. And there were things that we learned. And one of the things that we learned is that you pastor churches in different seasons differently. For instance, Moses... When he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, he he pastored the people. And you have to examine the incredibleness of that man's heart. Because those people rebelled against God. They wouldn't go into the promised land. Those people made a golden calf and Moses said, Moses, I'm going to kill them all and you're going to be the new Abraham. We can start with you. And Moses said, no, Lord, what about your great name? So you look at Moses' heart. But maybe the greatest thing about Moses' heart was that for 40 years he led Israel while they lived in rebellion against God. You see, sometimes we get into our mind that during that 40 years in the wilderness, Israel began to serve God, but they never did. Go and search the Scriptures. They never brought one offering, not one offering to God in 40 years. In 40 years, they never circumcised one of their children in obedience to the Word of God. And in 40 years, they never stopped worshiping the gods from beyond the rivers. For 40 years, Moses continued to lead them, and God continued to provide for them. Now, now sometimes people look at this and they stumble at what I'm about to say, but Moses knew the goodness of God. Moses knew that God is good and his mercy endures forever. God had put Moses in the cleft of the rock and said, Moses, I want you to understand who I am, and as he passed by, he proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate one, abounding in love to a thousand generations. Moses understood it, so he never stumbled. But he watched God provide for Israel for 40 years. Every day God put food on their table. Every day God provided them water. And their clothes did not wear out. And their shoes did not wear out. God took care of them for 40 years because of mercy. Because it's the character of God to provide. It's the character of God to be good to his people. Now, sometimes as Christians, we we look at God, God, you shouldn't have been doing that. Excuse me, that's his nature. His nature is to provide for his people. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. And sometimes that's a little hard for Christians to get a hold of, and we stumble a little bit at it. David and Joshua had to lead Israel differently in those seasons, in times of war and conquering the land. As pastoring, there are times we lead our people in seasons of great revival, and then there are times that we lead our people in seasons of famine and hardships. And how we pastor the people and the things that we talk about and the things that we emphasize and the things that we work on with the people are very different in the different seasons of life. Pastoring a congregation before COVID, our nation was growing six to seven percent a year. We were one of the biggest booming economies of Asia. It was so fun to hear because for years they called us, if the other nations of Asia were called the emerging tigers, we were called the stray cat. That's what they called us. They called us the poor cousin in Asia. And all of a sudden, we had the biggest booming economy in all of Asia. Those were great days. And how I pastored the people in those days was very different than coming through COVID and pastoring the people. During COVID, during our lockdowns, you guys, you almost didn't have COVID. You guys were amazing. You don't know what four months locked in your house, not allowed to go out feels like. You don't know what three years of no face-to-face classes in schools and universities is like. We just started classes back last November. 50% of our people still wear face masks when they go to church. The young professionals still do not let their parents, their their seniors leave home because we don't want our seniors to get sick. The parents tell me, Pastor, would you please talk to my children? They have me grounded. I said, Well, you, you? to ground your children when they were little now it's their turn to ground you and we laugh about it but asia is still coming out of some of the most extreme lockdowns in the world how i pastored the church in those days was very different and as we came out of covid and we began to enter into this new season where the economy was failing and people were starting to lose their jobs and foreign investments was pulling out and salaries were being challenged, again, you pastor the church differently. And as I told you the other night in the early 80s, I wasn't very good at how to understand the times and know what we should do like the men of Issachar. But after going through the 80s and going through the 90s and going through kuditas and Ainako, we just, we went through things. After going through those things, you learn some wisdom. One day I talked to Bishop Josh and I was telling him, let me give you some wisdom from the famine. So, when you go through the famine, you have eyes to see things in the scriptures. You, you have an understanding of things in the scripture. Now, Friday night, I began to teach you about how there are four things, four facts that we have to accept. Like Abraham, New International Versions, that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. We have to face some facts. We don't want to be like people who claim to have faith, but they're really a parrot. Bok, by his stripes, I've been healed. Bok. But they don't have any faith. It's not out of the abundance of their heart. They're just some little verse they got stuck in their head and they think that something's going to happen. No, out of the abundance of the heart, faith speaks. Not out of the emptiness of our heads. Others begin to walk around, bawk, like a parrot. Bawk, all my needs are met according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, bawk. But there's no reality to it. When we have faith, we can face facts. So we talked about facing the facts of a great satanic counterattack against revival, like the seven churches of Asia. We talked about the fact that Satan weakens the nations and deceives the nations. and We talked about brain, we talked about, uh, brain flight where all the intelligentsia of a nation leaves, and of course that's never happened in Ghana. Never happens. And instead, we have to learn. We face those facts and go, you know what, God? The economy in Ghana is difficult right now, but my God provides. The promises of God do not change because of the economic forecast of the IMF. We learned that Jesus even said there would be famine or economic crisis in the last days. We learn that spiritual pollution affects the nation, but we focused the other night on the fact that we're a different people now. That Malachi 3 verses 16 to 18, these are times of distinction. When people gather together and they speak critically of God, God watches. But when people get together and they speak well of Him, do you ever listen to people say nice things about you? You know how you tune in, you want to hear? Well, God tunes in, Malachi 3, 16 to 18. God tunes in, we studied the other night, and listens as people gather together who respect him and who stand in awe of him, as we gather together and we talk, God's going to take care of us. God is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, brothers, it's not vain to be a tither. God opens the windows of heaven over a tither. Let me tell you how God provided for my family last week. Oh, I don't understand why my wife got cancer, but oh, Jesus healed my wife of cancer. She's five years free from cancer. Oh, you're going to be free from cancer. When we gather together and we begin to talk about the goodness of God and what God has done for us, then all of a sudden God tunes in and he writes our names in his book in heaven. I call it the good gossiper's book. He writes our name in that book. And then he says, now listen, these people, you, read, you sang it earlier, these people are going to be my treasured possession. People in Ghana who say, listen, God will take care of you. Amen. Trust in God. Don't trust in your auntie and your uncles in the U.K., Trust in God to provide. God will meet all your needs according... When, when God writes all that down, and he said, now listen, with these people, they're going to be... This is going to be a time of distinction. This is when the fake Christians and the real Christians begin to be sorted out in society. This is when the fake churches and the real churches begin to get sorted out in society. God makes a distinction. And all of a sudden, the real believers that speak well of the Father, God begins to let them shine like stars in the night. God lets His provision flow. God stoops down to help them like a father helping a son that serves Him. Oh, these are wonderful days. We went on from there and began to understand what happens in the time of famine, that wealth is destroyed And wealth is transferred. We went on from there to understand that God provides. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 As for the rich in this present world, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be ready to share, to be generous, thus laying up for themselves treasures in heaven as a good foundation for the future. You want a foundation for your future? That's how you do it. So that you may lay hold, take a hold, take into possession that which is zoe, that which is real God kind of life. Now let's move on from there. That's just where we, that's just where we left off. Let's pick up from there and begin to talk about building this foundation of our futures. Verse 17. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now this is the work of the Holy Spirit to teach us this. First Timothy two verse 12. "Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit will help us understand. The promises of God, the covenants of God, the blessings of God. All of those beautiful promises and how he will provide for you. Now, it takes the Holy Spirit to do this because we're used to doing everything ourselves. Maybe not in Ghana. Especially as men, we're used to, we don't rely on anybody else. We can take care of ourselves. I was a very independent young man, very self-reliant, prided myself in my intelligence and my IQ, my education. It took the Holy Spirit to begin to clearly teach me all the beautiful things that have been freely given to me in Christ Jesus. This is something you need to begin to pray about. All the preaching and all the teaching that all the pastors in the world can do cannot do this to you. This has got to be something that you allow the Holy Spirit to do within your life. This is part of this communion with the Holy Spirit. Every morning you get up and you read your Bible and you pray and you worship and you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit lets you understand the things freely given to us. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, but as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has the heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Right. Beloved, your brain, forgive me, your brain isn't big enough to understand what God has prepared for you. Think of all the good works that God has laid out for us in advance like Paul teaches. With every one of those good works he's laid out, there's provision laid out in advance. There's the favor of God laid out with the people that we need help from. Think of all all that it takes for you to fulfill the good works that he's laid out in advance for you. Think of all the components of that and then understand. Our mind cannot comprehend. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to teach us and let us begin to understand all the beauty of all of these things and and all the things that God has prepared for us just because we love Him. There's a series of sermons I teach our congregation about once every three years. One series is called Just Because You Love Him and the other series is called Just Because He Loves You. Because it blows my mind. It's always fresh to me that he doesn't do this because of what I've done for him. He doesn't do all of these things because I've earned it or I deserve it. He does it just because I love him. This is why every promise is just as valid for a 50-year serving the Lord saying that it is for a brand-new baby Christian that walks down here to the altar and gets saved and says, I love you, Jesus, for the first time in their life. He does these things just because we love him. Now, now please, I, I know this stumbles people, but you, you begin to look at Christians and you realize there's no perfect people out there. I, I mean, sometimes as a pastor, you wish Christians were more perfect, but I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. Look around at the person next and say, "We're all a mess." Every one of us were saved by grace. Is that right? E- every one of us is a work in progress. but we love him. And you can look at a person, and, and yes, maybe they've done some major mess-ups, and yes, maybe they've screwed up, but they love him. Hallelujah. And God says, listen, look at all these beautiful things I've prepared for you, not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, but just because you love me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, <laughs> according to the power at work within us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. I thought I had a big vision. And then I met Bishop Dagg. I was talking to him one time on what's up. And we had just finished Good Friday, which for us is School of the Cross. I teach nine hours. And we'd had 5,000 people in the main auditorium, plus all the other side, all the other campuses full. And I was so happy. And he said, we just had one million in in the the plaza. I went, my vision is so small. Our leaders that were over here, they saw, we have a vision of opening 200 churches. And then they walked in and saw your visions of twos. But forgive me, the vision of twos is tiny. No one is able to do, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, your vision to open churches, your vision to to build churches, your vision to open churches all over the world, forgive me. He's going to do for you far more than anything you could ever ask or think. Because it is his character to provide. Now you've got to, everybody say, his character to provide. Say it again, please. Say it again. Shout it, please. Now now look at this character. Jesus teaches it to the apostles at the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to people who must have had a hard life. They've been living under the Roman occupation army for over a hundred years by this time. Their nation has been devastated. They are heavily taxed by the Romans. And Jesus looks at them and says in Matthew 6, 8, "Um, don't be like these people that try to figure out what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, and where they're going to sleep. For your Father knows that you have need of them before you ask. Your Father's character to provide is plugged into your life. You know how you plug in something to the computer and it reads everything in the computer? God's plugged into your life. He lives in you. You are His temple. You are the temple of God. He abides in you. He is totally plugged into your life. There is nothing that will come into your life that he doesn't know about already. He is dialed in. He is. And I'm going to show my age for a minute, but do you remember AM radios? You don't remember AM. I'm really old. Remember there used to be a dial and then there was the fine tuning dial? Yeah the Father is fine-tuned into your life. He's dialed in. And Jesus was trying to teach the apostles. If they're going to go out and preach the gospel, they're going to have to understand the Father. Just like Moses. Moses knew all of the anger and the wrath of God as he brought them out of Egypt. But if Moses was going to lead the people, he had to have that encounter on the mount where God hides him in the cliff of a rock and said, "The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate one, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness to a thousand generations." Moses had to understand the character of God in order to lead. The apostles had to understand. God's dialed into the people's lives. God cares about people. God provides for people. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at the person next to and say, you mean more than a bird to God. If God will take care of a bird, you have been created in his image. You are his son. He gave his son for you. How will he not freely along with him give you all things? You've got to understand the value that God places upon you. He said, listen. He took care of the birds of the air. He took care of the flowers of the field. He will provide for you. Verse 28, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we spare. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows that you need What? He knows that you need clothes to wear. He doesn't want you walking around butt naked. He knows that you need shoes on your feet. He knows you need socks. Have you ever noticed young men today are allergic to socks? It's the same in the Philippines it's like they are allergic to socks they want everybody to see their ankles (laughs) I'm looking at the rest of their (laughs) socks but my friend you're not so young (laughs) beloved he knows what you have need of he knows that you need food on the table. He knows that tuition fee for the children are coming due. He knows that college tuition is coming due. He knows that rent is coming due. He knows that electricity is coming due. He knows all of this. And if he can take care of the trees and the leaves and the flowers and the birds, and are you not of much more value in his eyes than that? He said, so get into your heart. The character of God is a provider. Listen to Paul, Philippians 4:19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't say might, he said will. Now, yes, the Philippian church had just sowed a great seed, but with that seed, he said, He will supply how many of your needs? Now, he didn't say every want and everything you can fantasize about. But he said all of your needs. And he didn't say he's going to provide them according to the condition of the Ghana economy. He said he's going to provide them according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. This is why you have to understand, it doesn't matter if you live in UK, your provision doesn't come from UK, it comes from heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So it doesn't matter where you live, the provision all comes from heaven. Everybody shout, heaven is my supply. Every morning in morning prayer, I lead our people in that passage, our Father who art in heaven. And in morning prayers, we pray about who art in heaven. We talk about the fact, God, we recognize that everything we need is coming from heaven. Lord, we're not looking to our companies for our provision. Lord, we're not looking to the government for our provision. We're not looking to our relatives for our provision. Oh, we're looking to heaven. Oh, there's no shortage in heaven. There's no inflation in heaven. Oh, there's just God's provision coming out of heaven. And we get a hold of this. And we have hope within our heart that our families will be taken care of. Now, I'm not preaching crazy stuff. I'm preaching food on our table, a home to live in, shoes on our feet, clothes on our back, and an abundance left over for every good work. Beloved, this, this is where, this is, this is what has to be in our hearts. As we go into these days of economic crisis, we get a face full of the Father. We just get right up in the Father's face and go, I don't want to hear any more from the IMF. I don't want to hear any more from the government. I don't want to hear any more from the World Bank. I want to hear from the Father. Oh, the Father's promises are true. Oh, the Father has promised that he knows my needs even before I pray. The Father knows all of my needs. This is your Father. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, we read it a while ago. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Beloved, you have no idea the houses that God has prepared for your family in the future. You have no idea. You have no idea about the lovely appliances God has prepared for your home in the future. You have no idea about the wonderful vehicle God has provided for your family in the future. You have no idea about the wonderful education that God has provided for your future. You have no comprehension because God has a plan for you, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. A plan to give you hope and a future. So get a face full of the Father. James says it this way, the brother of Jesus in James 1.15 Then desire when it is conceived give birth to sin and when sin has been fully grown gives birth to death. Now that's where most preachers stop. But James didn't stop there. Do not be deceived my beloved brothers. Every good and every good Perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love that. Every good and perfect gift comes down from my Father. Men, are you married? He who findeth a wife findeth a good thing. God gave you a wife from heaven. Ladies, God gave you a husband from heaven. I know sometimes it seems like it came from the other place, but... God gave you children from heaven. God gives you a job from heaven. God gives you a house from heaven. Every good and perfect gift has been a gift from your Father. Now, when God provides, can I keep going? When God provides, it's different than when people provide. When people provide, they live in shortage, like Matthew Matthew 15, verse 33. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? We live in a world of lack. We live in a world of shortage. Our brain only thinks lack. Our brain only thinks shortage. But with God, there's no limitations. 1 Timothy six seventeen, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There's no shortage with the Father. Now, you have shortage. You run out. I have shortage. I run out. Heaven never runs out. Now, it's interesting to watch people because sometimes when people have need, they get desperate. Like in a healing crusade, people get desperate and they push and they shove and they knock people down. Is that correct? People do the same thing when they have a need. They want prayer because they have a need. And they don't understand. This is not like a shopping mall that runs out. This is not like a grocery store and the shelves are empty. I told one of the congregations recent, while I've been here, we had a shortage of onions in the Philippines, Wow! 50 U.S. dollars for one kilo of onions. We were in Israel. I took pictures of the onions in the grocery store, and people said, Pastor, fill up your suitcase and bring them back. We are so used to living with shortage. And because there's shortage, we we feel insecure and we want to push and we get desperate. Beloved, relax. There's no shortage in heaven. When God richly provides, there is no shortage. God does not run out. He owns the earth and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. The silver and the gold is his. I once made a joke that, that if God wanted a solid diamond planet, he could just create it. And somebody brought me an article off Google, there is a solid diamond planet out there. I thought, oh my goodness, God likes bling. <laughs> there is no shortage with the Father. And again, sometimes like the little boy, he brought his two fish in his five loaves and they said what is this to so many he multiplied it how did he do that I have no idea he blessed it lifted it to the father and he multiplied it when we took our church church debt free quite a few years ago to this day and I'm a pretty smart guy to this day I cannot sit down and crunch the numbers and show you how we got out of that kind of debt. I don't I know where the money came from. I know how much we paid off and I have no idea how that worked. I called it a miracle of multiplication. That was the only way my brain can understand it. Because we live in limit and God lives in limitlessness. So, beloved, please, when you see God providing another family, don't get jealous. He won't do for somebody else what He won't do for you. He, he gave them a refrigerator so they don't have to go to the market every morning to get food to eat. He'll give you a refrigerator. What's your problem? He loves all of His children. There's no need for jealousy. There's no need to be insecure. There's no need to get desperate. There's no shortage with your father. Deuteronomy 30, verse 9. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous. Whoa in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb and in all the fruit of your cattle and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. Did you hear that? He not only prospers you, he takes delight in prospering you. Now let let that hit your brain for a minute. He not only enjoys prospering you, excuse me, prospering you. he takes delight in prospering you. Now, please, how many parents are here? Raise your hands. All the parents. When you bless your children, how do you feel? Yeah. You enjoy that? Yeah. When you, you take your children and you buy them a pair of tennis shoes. And they're way too expensive because you go, well, that's just a tennis shoe. And you buy them that beautiful tennis shoe. And they're so happy in their tennis shoe. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. How do you feel? I enjoyed that. Oh, I enjoyed that. Lady Adelaide has her little fan. I remember when I was shopping one day and I saw one bigger than that. And I bought it for my daughter. And I took it home from Dubai. I found it in the shopping mall in Dubai. I said, sweetheart, I got something for you. Because she really likes those fans. she, she, I was so happy I'd given her something she enjoyed. How much more, your heavenly father? How much more? He delights in it. You're not having to beg it from your father. It's his character to provide. And as he provides, he takes delight in it. But now notice. He said, making you abundantly prosperous, Deuteronomy 30, verse 9, in all the work of your hand. Everybody hold your hands out. Both of them. Now let me read you some verses with your hands out. Deuteronomy 2, 7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. Deuteronomy 14, 29. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work your hands that you do. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12 and to bless all the work of your hands. Job chapter 1 verse 10. Bless the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. How do you prosper in this life? He blesses the work of. I was standing at do you have ATM machines here? Yeah, it's funny. The banks want to take your money. And use your money, but they don't want to give you service. So they want you to stand outside and play with a machine. It's amazing. And I'm standing in line at this ATM machine, and this girl ahead of me kept putting a card in. It said insufficient. She pulled it back out. She put it in like 15 times. And I looked at her and said, sweetheart, is there a problem? What Can I help you? She said, I've been asking God to fill up my my ATM account I said sweetheart it doesn't work like that you want money out of the bank you put money in the bank she said well I was just at this service with this evangelist and he talked about miracle money and and if I would give this much money God would put this much money in my ATM account I said, sweetheart, it doesn't work like that, but let me do something. And I gave her money. I said, how much money do you need? She only needed 500 pesos, $10. So I gave her 500 pesos. I said, sweetheart, now this is from Jesus. This is how it works. Now, how many of you want want God to delight himself prospering you? and work with those hands. Now, I'm a pastor, all right? I'm a pastor. So I talk like a pastor. You want God to delight himself prospering you? He's going to prosper you by blessing the work of your hands. If there's only a little bit of work, there's not much to bless. So I've always spent my life figuring, you know what, Lord? I'm going to give give you more to bless I'm going to work more, more work of my hands, there's more for you to bless yes. and as I was teaching the congregations this morning you need to get a job Bravo. well pastor I've tried but none of those jobs were good enough for me I'm sorry that you're so proud. Pride comes before a fall. Now, I told you, I talk like a pastor. Now, beloved, if you need a job, you take the first job you can get. And as you're faithful, God will bless you with a better job. And then as you're faithful, God will give you a better job. And as you're faithful, God will give you a better job. And the whole time God is blessing your family and you have a beautiful refrigerator and you have a beautiful flat screen TV to watch. What sport do you like to watch here? Soccer? Yeah, I don't understand soccer, but soccer. We like to watch basketball and boxing. We might be short, but we're, we're terrible. Do you guys play basketball? We have a rule, no blood, no foul. Come play basketball with my guys. Ooh, the ribs will hurt afterwards. But you can have a flat screen TV. You you can have a... God will bless, and God will enjoy every minute of it. But he does not bless laziness. Proverbs 13, verse 4, New Living. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. (laughs) Proverbs 21, 25, New Living Translation. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for for their hands refuse to work. On the way over here, I was reading an article about a new trend in Generation Z. Never heard of it before. It's called bed rotting, like rotting, like rot, rot, decay. I thought, I've heard of bed wetting, but I've never heard of bed rotting. And it's a new thing where they have made it a virtue to lay around in bed all day and put up on their social media pictures of them laying in bed all day, and they call it bed rotting. Okay, let, let the world... Let the world say that black is white and white is black. Let the world say that laziness is good. God says a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like an armed bandit. So let the world act like that. That's more work for us. That's more jobs for us. So in this day when Satan weakens the nations with these crazy things, you and I have to look around and say, this is a wonderful opportunity for believers. We're hard workers. In my country, we have companies that line up and ask us for permission to do job fairs in our church. And they come over, and we had like one, one group that had 2,000 jobs available because nobody wanted to work. And we just had our people bring in their resumes and do their interviews. Ah. Because they said, people in your church are hard workers. I told you, pastoring in seasons of famine is just a little different. Now let's take it a little bit farther. What time is it? My my iPad says it's 8.55, so that means I have until like... (laughs) All right, let me give you just a couple of things, and then we, I I don't want to be a bad guest. I want to be a good guest. When it comes to coming before the Father and asking for things, let me give you a few little thoughts to close with. Psalm 78, verse 17. Yet they still sinned more and more against him, rebelling, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. It's talking about Israel during the desert. They tested God in their hearts by demanding food they craved. Now keep your Bibles open there to Psalm 78. God gave them manna from heaven, and that wasn't good enough? They demanded the food they craved. They demanded the food they craved. God gave them the best already. See, one of the great principles of prosperity is you have to be careful about people telling you what you want. And advertisers convincing you that you want their product. Psychological media manipulation. And they create this lust of other things it's that Jesus teaches us not to have. Now, beloved, if God gives you, you've been praying for shoes, God gives you a new pair of shoes, be happy with what God gives you. It's not his last provision. See, this is what you got to understand. It's not like he's only going to give you one pair of shoes the rest of your life. He's going to keep providing because that's who he is. But when he gives you a new pair of shoes, be happy. I remember I was in the, when we were first in the Philippines. I needed some new shoes, and there's no way I could choose that would fit me. And all of a sudden, a pair of beautiful floor shine ox blood color shoes arrived, and they were beautiful. But they were a little too big for me. I didn't complain. I know how to put toilet paper in the toes. <laughs> I was happy, but, you know, that wasn't the last pair of shoes God gave me. When God blesses you, be happy, be content with what he's given you. I'll never forget this. This guy came to the Philippines to preach for us, and I'm driving him in my Toyota, my 1980 Toyota, and he said, I thought you believe in God's prosperity. I said, I do. He said, why are you driving this car? I thought, Lord, can you just turn your head for a minute? Just, I know how to shut his mouth. Just, no problem, Lord. I grew up on the streets. This is easy. Whap! <laughs> and he, I mean, he, he criticized my clothes. He criticized our church. Now, yeah, we were still in construction. We had no windows yet. We didn't have any paint on the walls yet, but it was ours. Finally, I looked at him and I said, how many cars do you have? Five. And he started listing off a gullwing Mercedes sports car, an S-Class Long. I mean, he started listing off all these things. And I said, and how much money are those cars worth? He said, $500,000. I said, and how much money do you owe on them? About 450000 and I said, and how much, how much do you owe on your house? Oh, about $10 million." And I said, how much do you owe on your credit cards? He said, oh, a couple of hundred thousand. I said, now let me ask you a question. Forgive me, but I, I'm an accountant by background. Let me ask you a question. Net worth. Who's prosperous? Me or you? I'm not going to dislike my car and crave something else just because some big mouth, bad attitude doesn't like my car. I like my car. My 1980 Toyota Crescita was an amazing flood car. I could go through water with the water over the hump on the the gear shift and it would still keep running. (laughs) I told you our stories are your stories. Now don't don't start looking down your nose at the things that God has given you because somebody says something to you. It said, demanding the food they craved. No, I'm happy with whatever God provides. I'm not a picky person. Look at the person next to you and say, quit being so picky. Say it again. People ask me, What kind of food do you like? I said, Well, oh. What do you mean? Look at me. What kind of food do I like? I like everything. Everybody say, quit being so picky. Now, now, there are people that will look at you and they say, this is actually excellence, being picky. No, it's not excellence. It's picky. Yes, we want excellence. We don't want to put down the things that God has given us. One of our pastors was out visiting with me one day, and he walked into one of our members' homes, and he said, is this all you have? He did not last very long. Don't worry. And I said, how can you say that? I know where this family came from. I remember when I'd visit them and it was one square meter and you had to step outside to visit because you couldn't both fit. I said, so don't, don't, don't talk down to them. Every home you walk in when you visit, find something to compliment. Find something good to say. Never teach people to crave for something other than what God has given them. God will give them more. There's a beautiful thing about contentment. You're content with what God gives you, and then God gives you more. But until you get content, that's another sermon. He continues, verse 18, verse 19, they spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness, all right? There you find location-specific faith. Can God provide for me in Ghana? Everybody say, can God provide for me in Ghana? They didn't believe God could provide for them where they were. Oh, God can provide for us in Egypt, but he can't provide for us here. Excuse me. Where you are has no difference to the, makes no difference to the promises of God. Never have location-specific faith. Well, I'm going to America because God can bless me there. I'm going to the UK because God will bless me there. No. You should never immigrate because of your lack of faith. Now, if God sends you on a mission, you go on a mission. But you don't immigrate because you say, God can't provide for me here. i got news for you. God can provide for you on a desert island all by yourself, you and a monkey. If God can send a raven in the wilderness to feed a prophet, God can feed you and a monkey on a desert island. No location-specific faith. But then he continues. Yes, he can strike, verse 20, new living. Yes, he can strike the rock so that the water rushes out. But he can't give his people bread and meat. That's subject-specific faith. Location and now subjects. Well, God can put food on the table, but God can't give us a car. Yes, he can. I tell the young couples in our church, God can give you a car. Because if you don't have a car, you can't have a house and Lot. There's no way to move out of the the neighborhoods down to to work. You don't want your baby on public transportation with the jeepneys and things. God can provide you a car. Well, why do you think he can't provide you a car? God can provide you a motorcycle. Why do you think he can't provide you a motorcycle? Are we still here? Don't be subject specific in your faith. They said, oh, God can, God can strike the rock so that water comes out, but God can't give his people bread and meat. God can do anything. Now remember, what God can do and what he will do is two different subjects. Remember the high priestly prayer of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, Father, you can do anything, yet not my will, but your will be done. Just because God can do something doesn't mean it's his plan. So seek his will. Be like Jesus. Lord, I've come to do your will. Whatever you want, Lord, you know my needs. You know what's necessary. And I'm happy with your provision, Lord. And there's nothing that you can't provide for my family in Jesus' name. Boy, I do need to stop, but there's so much more. There's so much more. Can I give you one last thought? Who richly provides us all things for us to enjoy. Now let me give you a hint on this. The source of your provision will determine whether you enjoy it or not. Remember the story of Gehazi in 2 Kings chapter 5, 20 to 27. God was not the source of that provision, and that's a whole sermon in itself. God was not the source of that provision. Gehazi lied. And Gehazi blamed it on his bishop. Gehazis never take the credit for their own lies. Oh, the bishop sent me to ask for this. I'm serious. Oh, Pastor Summerall sent me to ask you for this. And then they call me and say, I never ask anybody to do that. But they lie. But you know, the reason it works is because of thankful, generous people. That guy had just gotten healed. He was thankful. He had generosity flowing in his heart. And there are corrupt people out there that take advantage of thankful, generous people. You can go meditate on that one. That one's free, Pastor's. But notice when Gehazi, and this is the point I want to bring out. Notice when Gehazi came back, he told the servants, I'll carry it from here. And he had to go hide it. Stolen money can never be enjoyed publicly. Because people walk up and say, where'd you get that? How'd you get that? Where'd all that come from? So they have to hide it and they never get to enjoy it. But when God gives it to you, (laughs) you want everybody to see. And you can enjoy the blessings of the Father. Did you learn something? Would you stand with me, please? Now, I'm a pastor. That's who I am. One of the things I've been doing since I've been here is getting altar calls for people who need jobs. So if you're here and you need a job, would you raise your hand up high? Put your hand up high. You need a job. You have no job. Put your hand up high. Come right down here to the front. I'd like to pray for you, please. Shall supply all my need according
0: to his riches in glory. He will come right on down. His angels charge
1: over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares. The Lord. <laughs> Do you know who wrote that song? No. Merv and Merla Watson. Oh. They were the ones that led Benny Hinn to Christ. Wow. They came out of my wife's church. Wow. All right, is everybody down? Now, I want you to listen to me. We're going to pray for you. And then tomorrow, you go start putting in applications in Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Ever since COVID, the people of this world don't want to work, but the people of God do. God has opened doors for you. Before God ever created Adam, he created a job for Adam. And it was waiting for him. As he came alive, God said, all right, here's your job. You're to take care of of this Garden of Eden. You're to watch it and care for it. Now, forgive me, but Adam didn't say, I don't like that job. That was the job God gave him. He accepted it, and he did the work. Please don't get picky. You may be overqualified, but that's all right. You'll get a promotion. (laughs) Starting a job is not It's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning of the story. So just get started. Bring home food. Put it on the table in Jesus' name. Amen? And then as you're faithful, the Bible says that with the faithful, God shows himself to be faithful. You may be ten times overqualified for that job. That's all right. You might be the next boss. But don't be proud, be humble. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he exalts us in due time. He'll lift you up. He'll promote you. Promotion comes from the Lord. But don't be proud. Now let me say this for everybody out there. In this day when people don't want to work, go to work early. I wish I had time to preach all this from the scripture, but it's in the book. Go look it all up. Stay late. Because right now companies are talking about cutbacks and layoffs. Is that correct? Yes. First people to get laid off are the big mouth bad attitude. But that's not us. Amen. Second people to get laid off are the quiet people who just barely perform. But that's not us. We're more than conquerors. We always do more than expected. The people that never lose their jobs are the people a company needs to rebuild with. So be a person the company needs to rebuild with. Learn multiple jobs in your company. Be a jack of all trades. Be somebody who can do everything. Because for a short season, you might be doing everything, but you still have a job. Amen. And then as they begin to rehire and rebuild the company, you'll be a boss. I've watched this happen in two separate cycles in our congregation. That's how our people became bosses. Beloved, God will bless the work of your hands. Now, all of you back there, would you stretch out your hands toward these down at the front? Father, I bring to you your sons and your daughters. Lord, you want us to have the dignity of work. And you have promised to bless the work of our hands. But this is a need we have, Lord. We have need of a job. I ask that the favor of God and the favor of man would rest upon them. Lord, that as people begin to look at their resumes, they'll come to the top. That the interviewers will have special favor upon the sons and daughters of God. Lord, we speak favor into their life in Jesus' name. And, Father, we ask for the humility to take what's offered and get started. And then, Father, bless them and promote them. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Say with me Heavenly Father. I thank you this afternoon. I have heard your word. I realize I am a sinner. And I need Jesus. Lord Jesus, this afternoon, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me of all my sins, of all my wicked ways. Come into my heart and be Lord over my life. I thank you that you have saved me. Please write my name. My name is... Mention your name. Please write this name in the book of life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you saved me in Jesus' name. I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Why don't you clap for yourselves? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap for yourselves? Hallelujah. It's a blessing. brother, why are you crying? You don't know. the power of God. God is changing something about your life. Yes. Beautiful. You see our lady pastor here on my left hand side in the yellow dress? She is going to receive you. All right. He's going to give you. Do you still have books for them? Not today. All right. But I'm sure he'll give you a book from our father and our bishop. Hallelujah. And they will talk to you. Okay. Now, every Sunday, are you listening? Every Sunday when you come to church, they will call for you. God bless you for listening to this message. For more information on upcoming programs and events, visit our Facebook page, Kodesh Family Church Ghana HQ. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every day. And remember God's word as a lamp unto your feet and a light unto you.